Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Daryl Missy. Welcome uh, to our podcast, uh, Ashton. Uh, what what are we doing today? A- Ashton, our communications guru, is here. Uh, what what are we doing today? Hello. We are learning a little bit more about Chris and Kyle, our regional managers in the north. Did I say that right, Daryl? Yeah. Chris Chris Kimsey is our regional director in the northwest, and Kyle Kendrick is our regional director in the northeast. So we're taking the north part of the state first. And what uh, what we're doing really is having conversations with our leadership, because what I've discovered is that folks in the field really didn't know who everybody is, uh, who it is that are our leaders. And so our our deputy directors, uh, you will have had an opportunity or to have, have heard from all of them uh, also uh, during this, and also our regional directors, they sort of make up the cabinet, as I call it, the, the, the sort of the policy group, the group that we come together and work through things together to come up with policy. And, and, and these two guys are just, are just uh, wonderful leaders and, and great advisors and thoughtful people that are just very important to our leadership. Kyle, from, from our, my first days here, was probably my biggest encourager. Uh, he really helped me along through some difficult times at the beginning to really, really uh, make things better for me, which I really appreciate. And Chris, I kind of, I kind of feel a kindred spirit with Chris because he reads all the same books I do. In fact, we, we we share books. We're swap, we're swapping books every time we see each other, which is really awesome because he, he loves all these leadership books and 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 does all these things in sort of a microcosm up there in the Northwest of of, of leadership. Uh, encouragement, leading other leaders there, and it's it's fantastic. So these guys are great and uh, and, and good friends, and I'm I'm glad to uh, have them here today. So uh, we will we will get started and give you guys the opportunity to introduce yourselves, and uh, and and then we'll just have a conversation. So uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is introduce yourself and tell us how you got here, and and you know how you came to CD and how you got to where you are now. And I I guess. Uh, you know, Chris, you're kind of the visitor because you're on the. Uh, let everybody know the sound differentials. Chris, Chris is on the WebEx, and Kyle's in person because he's right here in Mid Missouri, and we were able to do that. But uh, Chris, we'll we'll start with you. Uh, how is it that? Uh, 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 why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us some things about yourself and and how you got to where you are. Okay. Good morning, uh, Chris Kimsey. I'm the regional director out of the Northwest region. And I've been in this position for one year and four months. Um, Kyle, you'll hear about him later, he was the regional director for the entire northern region, and then they split it last year. And so I had the fortunate pleasure of following behind him for covering the northwest region. A little bit about me. I'm a non-traditional student. I used to work in retail. I sold shoes for a living. And so back in the day, if you remember back in the 80s and 90s, Al Bundy, and I was often called, referred to Al Bundy, because that was a popular, uh, very good children, was a popular show then. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have to stay in retail the rest of my life, because um, it felt like just a dead end. Um, for me, it felt like a dead end job. And so I decided to go back to school, got my degree, uh, undergraduate degree in personnel psychology, and decided I was going to try to be a public servant. Didn't know what it was going to be in, but I was just applying for different positions within the state as a public servant. And I guess good for me, the Children's Division um, was the first place to offer me a position. And from there, I was a case manager. And all of my work as a case manager was done through treat on the treatment side. So I did family-centered services where the families were intact, and I also worked with kids that were and the parents that were in alternative care that were placed in foster homes. I did that for about two years, moved up to a supervisor position. <clears throat> then I ended up moving to, I became a specialist for residential treatment, so kids that had mental health issues. I was a coordinator for the Northwest region um, for that for a short period of time. And then, let's see, I've been a circuit manager, which is just a local manager of a circuit of an office, promoted to a, I've done recruitment and retention for the entire state, and I did some constituent services, so I was at one point in time over the complaint department, if you could say it that way. And then I was blessed to 
come here and become a regional director. And so in all of that, I've got 23 years total with um, working in public child welfare and 22 of those years specifically with the Children's Division. So that's where I'm at um, right now. That's well, awesome. Yeah, thank you, Chris. You know, it's interesting when you told me you began talking about all this. You know, you you said your your heart's desire at the beginning of all of it was to, was to be a public servant, and I, I I wrote it down as you said it because I thought that that is exactly right. I've I've watched you and your your leadership style. You really do have that sort of servant leadership uh, approach to things, where you're 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 equipping people around you. You're being there for them. It's been powerful to watch. Uh, I, I really appreciate you uh, doing it, and uh, it's just been a great pleasure to get to know you and 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 your story. And it's just uh, uh, it's it's been a fantastic journey. You've do, you've done it all, man. You've, you've like done customer service, even. I mean, you worked in the customer service complaint department. That's awesome. I, I mean, yeah. if, if you could do that, you could do anything. You have what, any follow, follow ups what, for him, man? What better way to serve? What better way to serve than to listen to people? Um, air their grievances on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, what, what was that? Was that on Seinfeld? It was Festivus? Festivus is the day that you air your grievances? That's a, yeah. Well, but you know, behind those, right, behind, and sometimes grievances are just people, you know, ha, just needing to vent, and sometimes there's real stuff there, right? And it's very, it's it's important to be able to listen to them, and that's, uh, I, I bet that, I bet that's a good, a good uh, skill one develops, this because that's what people wanted to do was to be heard right? and to slow down and to have the time and to, to listen to people, to really hear what was going on. It was amazing how just listening um, played a huge role in helping to resolve the, the conflict that we were experiencing. Sure, sure. And that's, you know, when we talk about the 10 directives, the fourth one's listen to people and it, it not yeah. only not only because you're going to learn good things that that will be helpful for you, but it's great for the person who's being heard to know that they've been heard. It it helps in a, in a lot of ways. Do you have any other follow ups for Chris? Um, you mentioned married with children, and I don't I don't think I missed it. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about your personal, like your family and your your life? He has oh. a dog. He has a dog that runs with him. Anyway. <laughs> I've uh, been married for 20, going to be on 29 years this this year. Um, we have two children. I have a son, Hagen, that's 23, and he just got married. They live in a small town in the middle of South, uh, in, I think it's called, it's Appleton City. I don't think I know it's Appleton City. My daughter's 20 years old. She is going to be a senior at Missouri Western for early childhood, um, coming this fall and then I do I do like to run um, and I have a Siberian Husky that runs with me and his name is Miles and so <laughs> we put in uh, we put in a lot of miles together every every day or every every year every year we put in a lot of miles um, one thing you know you talk about public service that I would add is that I've been involved with my local church so I've been involved with youth services, not youth services, but I've been, I've been a youth pastor for a year. I've been teaching um, a youth group, ninth, ninth and 10th graders. I've done that for as long as I can remember, as long as my son was in seventh grade, I think is when I started with the youth group. Then I've done Boy Scouts, um, which is another just way to connect with youth and how to positively impact them. So it's, um, you know, the last thing I would say is I love to cook. If I had a, if I had a different career, I would have been a chef. Um, and if you ever are Facebook friends with me, there's only two things you'll see on Facebook that I usually post on is my running and what I'm cooking for dinner that night. And I'm working on my plating right now, so <laughs> I'll be sure to give you a follow. <laughs> yeah, no, and if if you. If you if you follow if you follow Chris on Facebook, you will know that this past weekend, just this weekend, he ran a marathon. Now, I, I don't think he's quite as old as I am, but I, I ran I ran one of those. I ran uh, several half marathons, but I, I think of trying to do that now, and I'm thinking that's insane. And I, I and, and and Chris doing it, it's like you're an Iron Man. You're you're like you are Iron Man. I mean, it really is awesome. 
that you can do that. And, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, well, and, and every, everything, everything you do is, it's, it's positive and uplifting and service oriented. And, and like I said, Chris, it's just, it's just great to, it's just great to know you. So try following that, Kyle. What are you doing? So again, Kyle Kendricks here in the here in the room. Kyle, why don't you tell us tell us about yourself? How you got here? Okay. Uh, well, um, I've got some humble beginnings, and I was the youngest of nine kids in my family, and big Catholic family, and I ended up going to a small liberal arts college, Culver Stockton College, up in Canton, Missouri, and. Uh, how I happened to get into children's division. I've told so many people that it was, it was an accident that a former classmate at Culver Stockton stopped me at a uh, stop sign because they don't have lights in Lewistown, Missouri and said, you need to come work at my office at the division of family services. And so uh, I said, what does the division of family services do? And I found out that the division of family services does what my mom had been doing for probably all of her life, helping children, helping families, um, and taking good care of people as much as you can. And she was, my mom was the garage sale queen of Shelby County and helped raise so many of her grandchildren. And uh, this is her one year anniversary of passing away today. Mm. And so she's been on my mind a lot today, but um I grew up in that small town. I met my wife, Teresa. Uh, we uh, have been married just shy of 30 years. I've been with the state of Missouri just over 30 years. So I've had a longer marriage with uh, Department of Social Services than I have with my wife. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of times uh, I get reminded about that on phone calls late in the evening. But um, I really... I, I come from a small town in Shelbina, Missouri, Shelby County, Missouri. It's in that's the part of in a small town, you get to be a member of the school board. You get to be a member of the uh, church board. You get to be a member of the Parks and Recreation Board. And you get to do a lot of things uh, and take leadership roles on that. Maybe sometimes in larger communities, you don't get that opportunity and you don't have that time to devote. And sometimes you get told you're going to be on the church board. You don't sometimes get asked. Uh, but a lot of leadership opportunities just from coming up from a small town. Um, Chris mentioned where he had been uh, with the agency. And in my 30 years, I was a frontline worker that was a generic worker. We did everything. I might remove the child on a weekend and be assigned that child's alternative care case on Tuesday and go to court and work with that family throughout the duration of their time with the agency. And we've got a lot of folks that are still doing that in small, small circuits. And um, <clears throat> I had some great supervisors along the way that empowered me to be able to uh, gain some leadership skills and too many to mention any by name or I would offend all of them. But mm -hmm. uh, the opportunities that were given to me um, created the created who I became within the Department of Social Services, within the Division of Family Services, and then the Children's Division. And I'm, I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. Um, so I, I was a worker for about four years. I became a supervisor and did that for about three years. And then I became what was known as a county director in the Division of Family Services. And as a county director, you were over the Family Support Division line and the Children's Division side, line. And then uh, shortly after that, I became a circuit manager for Circuit 2 and 41, Second Circuit and 41st Circuit. And I did that for three years, three months, and three weeks because I counted it down. Being a circuit manager in two circuits, was I was never in the right place at the right time. And after that, uh, in 2008, I became a field support manager, and I did that for eight years, served several circuits. And in 2016, I became the regional director for the Northern Region. And then in 2022, uh, we split the North up. And I took the Northeast and 
I've enjoyed every bit of it all along the way. Well, that's wow. great. You know, I don't know who that person is who invited you to come work at Division of Family Services, but I just want to go thank them uh, for having done it. And and by the way, it's it's the inspiration for the messaging I've put out where I'm like telling people, you know, the best way that we can handle our staffing trouble is to invite your friends. Because I know you're not the only one, but but you are the most prominent person that, as I've heard say, I got here because somebody asked me to come because I had a friend who worked there and said, this is good work. Please come work with me. And so if you're listening out there and you've got a friend like that uh, and there's yeah. openings, you know, ask people because you might be recruiting the next Kyle Kendrick. You just you just don't know. And, you know, you talked about uh, you talked about how hard it was to handle two circuits at one time we had we had somebody trying to do that here when i first got here and we, we remedied that and made that better but i think about you trying to be a regional director over half of the geography of the state you know and so mm -hmm. so you know the fact that the fact that you now we now have a partner in chris over to take care of the western side it's just it's just a great thing because i think that the leadership needs to be out there including me, we need to be out there more than we're in here, hearing and seeing and being uh, a part of the, of the thing. So I'm glad you're, you, you now only have a fourth of the state. So it's better. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit less, uh, less travel. And I get to spend more time talking with uh, circuit managers and, and my field support managers about those a little, a little more down to the uh, case level versus larger things. Yeah. So as, as a segue, uh, you know, you, you, you have that region and we're going to talk about what, what's going on in your region and what you're excited about uh, in your region. And, and Kyle, I think we'll, we'll let you go first and then ask, ask Chris, you know, what's, what's happening in the Northeast that you're excited about or that you think it would be good for people to know? Well, um, we have, we've put together some new initiatives that I think is going to streamline a lot of the work. Um, We've got an individual that is right now working specifically on uh, learning, getting our, our reports completed more timely, getting those done more timely. And she's concentrating a circuit at a time, two or three months at a time, just helping circuits get down to that level. But all the way, she's also teaching others how to do some of that work in a better way. We've got individuals that are really working on our TAPA practice. Uh, I'm proud that our top of practice is, is increasing. And I believe it was Angie Swearns that always said, measure what you treasure. And we've been measuring our, our, a lot of those data goals, uh, that make so much sense for the frontline work of our agency. So making sure that those supervisory consults are done, making sure that those home visits are made so that children are able to voice their concerns, their worries, and what their wishes are. Um, but we've been, we spent quite a bit of time at our last uh, leadership meeting in the Northeast, just looking at what our goals are, what our data is, and then where those meld together. Because in the bottom line, the bottom line to all of it is, is what is uh, best for children will then look good on paper. If we're doing what is best for children and letting that drive it, the data is going to turn out fine. Good practice leads to good numbers, yeah. I think is what you're saying. And uh, I, I thought that when I, when I went on the bench, you know, I, I, I went onto the bench in Jefferson County when we had way too many kids in care and the trajectory was very bad. And the number of termination of parental rights was, was way outsized compared to the rest of the state, probably compared to the rest of the world. And people said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you, are you, are you, are you going to, you know, change those numbers? Said, well, no, I'm going to change the practice and the practice will change the numbers. I'm going to have That's court. Right. I'm going to have court. It's going to be fair. And we'll watch what happens. Well, what happened was, is that, you know, our number of kids in care came down to under, you know, from nearly 700 to under 500. And we, uh, and our number of termination of parental rights came directly, directly into the state average. You know, like, well, see, it took, I wasn't counting the beans. The, I was watching, I was watching the number of beans to see if my, to help me know whether or not my practice was successful. Right. And you know, right. the practice that we have is that we've got to empower our staff. We've got to empower uh, families. We've got to empower parents and we need to treat them respectfully. And then I think that the data will show 
that we're that that type of management, that type of leadership and empowering and sharing that leadership really makes the data. It'll, it'll improve the data two to threefold because people are making uh, decisions at the local level, at the very frontline level and doing great things for people all across. Right. And, and, you know, that's not to say that you're not using the data, right? So like the data is what tells you where you need to focus your new practice. Correct. And I think that I, I just wanted to say that because, um, you know, it pulls it all around full circle about how, how we can and do improve using that. Well, and, and that the, the mindset that you establish, you know, impacts the data. Uh, I was talking with, with, uh, with a reporter this past week and they were noting that we had without any resources to do it, we had reduced the number of kids in care in Missouri by 800 and asked, how do we do that? And my funny answer was, I haven't the vaguest idea. Uh, but the real answer, which I gave later was, I think it's by giving people the ability to think about it and to, and to think rightly and to think in, in a way that we're helping and working together. And I think, and that, that will go to the vision question we'll get to later. But right now I want to find out about the North, the Northwest. Chris, what's, what's going on? What's going on in the Northwest that you're excited about that you're, uh, that, that you think folks might find interesting and helpful to them? on building trust and candor in the region. Um, and, in, and each of those kind of paired together well. You think about historically, I don't know that there's, we've had an often times where we've had lack of trust in, in leadership in the community kind of in general. And so we've been really focusing on how can we trust each other to make sure that we're um, doing the right things, not only for our team members, but for our families. And, and as each of those two pair together, it's really starting to change how we do business because people are really feeling good about where they're at in their job. They feel that they can trust the leadership and, the, and we can trust and the team members. It's a, it's a reciprocal process. And what I really appreciate is the candor that if I have something that comes up that I'm like, oh, hey, this is a great idea. And somebody in the office or a team member is like, no, that doesn't really seem to work very well. But we can have an honest discussion, a candid discussion about what would work best for each of us that impacts our families. When I think about where we're at in the Northwest region, I see passion. I feel the passion and I feel... Um, how each of these team members care about each other and the family that they serve. And over the last year and a half, we've um, certain offices have faced some struggles with um, patterns of staffing and lots and, and, and team members that maybe didn't have a lot of um, knowledge of working in the field. And the passion that comes from this is that they're willing to go support their team members, even if it's not in their office, which has been a, quite a bit of a challenge because in the past, we would always think about, we would operate within our borders, within our circuit or within our subregion. And we're really now in a position where if somebody says, hey, I've got a need in Liberty, somebody from the Trenton office is like, I'll come help. And we're talking, that's a couple hour drive. And, and, and really, historically, that really wouldn't have happened um, so freely. And so it's, it's just refreshing. It's refreshing to see team members supporting each team members for the ultimate goal of helping to keep these kids safe. Right? I mean, that's what our objective is. But it's really supporting each other. Um, to make sure that we're doing doing what we need to do for the families that we're serving. You know what I notice is when when we're talking about what you're doing in your region, Chris. There's not one not one word of that was about a a, a particular program or a particular practice that you're doing that's different. What it's all about was was the mindset and I and and you know like trust for example the the leadership stuff that you've been reading in those leadership books that we've been reading you know we we both we both read the 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 speed of trust which I've got over there on my shelf I I uh, 
I, I lent it to you. I read it, lent it to you. You read it, gave it back to me. We'll probably lend it to somebody else. But, you know, the idea that we're all in this together for each other, you know, like the person in Trenton understands that yeah. they they're they're in this for the people in Liberty because we're all in it for for the kids and the families and for each other and having each other's backs. And, and I've I've visited all over the Northwest and I feel I feel the exact same thing that you've been talking about, you know, like that, that um that real positive servant uh, attitude that exists there, it's and it's making a difference, right? I mean, I think it really has impact. I think so. I think it's made a lot of lot of difference. Um, and and I think just to add to that is what what I'm trying to embed in these in in, in everybody, or just to get them to identify it, is. Um, how can we lead? How can we learn? How can we learn what we need to do? Um, how can we invest in each other and then teach, teach? And so kind of what Kyle was getting at was with the number, with, with the data and how we can have the data be, look, the, the data is what our families are and how does that look better? And so I'm approaching it a little bit differently. Uh, I'm trying to help we are trying to help get people equipped to do the job that the best that they can do to learn how to do their job. And then I see that where the numbers, the data will then be a result of that. And so it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of approaching it a little bit differently, but I'm not, I look at the data, but it's not like, Hey, let's just make this our effort. How can we really do our job the best? And then if we're doing our job the best, then the results are going to come. Well, and what and what you're, you know, what you're doing there is you are giving people, you're leading people who are then able to lead other people who are able to lead in there. And it's, uh, you know, a, one another book we read, uh, we both read was uh, David Marquet's "Turn the Ship Around," right? And it's a leader leader model where the leader, the captain of the ship, is not just mandating every single thing that happens. The captain of the ship you know, understands that this ship is really, really run by the chief petty officers who are, who are, who are supervising the people who are turning the knobs and they have the information, they have the data, they have it in front of them. We need to provide it to them and they need to have authority. Authority needs to be close to the information and, and people need to be equipped. You know, one of the things I think is interesting that you, you do there is, you know, you, you have your own little leadership academy up there, uh, where you're you're bringing your leadership in and you're you know reading through books together and and having sessions together to to again equip them to do their stuff. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that because I think it's really cool. Yeah, sure. Um, the the name of the classes that we have is called Lit Leadership, and it's a little candle. So kind of I got my idea from. Um, Oh, what's that church song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right. You're not going to blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's right. I'm not going to blow it out. Um, but it's, it's the, the lit leadership is learn, invest, and teach. And so for so we had had one class, one session. We had it was a six six month session, and we picked specific topics that we covered. Um, and and somebody would say, well, it sounds like a book club. Well, it kind of is a book club because. It's chapters of books that I've read that I found impactful. And so it's like, let's just take pieces of those that would apply to our leadership and how we can use that to better the work that we do. And so um, I've got this. I had to get it. So the way I broke it down was looking at system dynamics, values and character, candor and trust adaptability, decisiveness, and then service. And so those six months, each one of those kind of built off of each other and and really helped to maybe set the ground for here's a solid leader and here's how you can invest in others. I'm going to be rolling out a lit two at our next, uh, probably in June or July. So it'll be a, whoever finished lit one, Leadership One would be invited to participate in this, and then I'm going to open it up to more people in, in the Northwest region um, to participate. It's exciting. It's it's fun just to have that shared knowledge of hey, let's talk about something and process it. And and I, and I learn just as much from them, the people that 
valuable for me because all I'm doing is just facilitating the discussion and letting it go for an hour. Where does the kind of where does the wind blow us? So very exciting stuff, Daryl. I, I know it is and, and it, it fits well and it fits perfectly with, with sort of the bigger, broader vision that, you know, our <clears throat> the things that we're trying to do is to equip people to help people. And, you know, when you've got a group of leaders there, you know that, you know, you can you know that it doesn't depend on just you because you've got a you've got a team around you, a group of colleagues who are equipped and able to take on take on the the tasks, to take on the leadership they need to take on, to to help other people. You're modeling that for them. And I think it's really powerful and awesome. So thank you for for doing that kind of thing, which which. Ashton, you have a follow-up question on that? Mostly just want to know how I can join the lit class, um, be a part of the book club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want a book club. Why don't I have a book club? That's not... I'll, I'll, I'll add you to the next list, Ashton. <laughs> Please do. I would love it. I'll add you to it. Now, do you do, awesome. them, in, do, you do them in person, Chris, or, 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 or do you do them they're, online? They're, they're all done WebEx, and so we have a chapter that we would read or two for the month. So I, it's like, this is self-directed. You're going to read it. You're going to process it and then come to the discussion of what kind of what you learned or how you're going to apply it. And so we would meet, we were meeting on Mondays, but with as many state holidays that we have that are on Mondays, we moved it to Tuesday and we just meet for an hour um, and have, it's really a good time. It's, it is. Sign me up. But say, Ashton, you could really technically do that. It is it is a great idea. It may be something. It may be something we we expand. It's really cool. It's it's and and that's you know when we're talking about the vision of the our vision for the agency, our vision for our work. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of evolving. I think it kind mm-hmm. of it kind of it moves in a way uh, where it where we're led, where we see concerns are, where we see what needs are, and we see where opportunities are. We see all of that. So. Uh, so just sort of as a segue, Chris, you, you've been, you've been kind of already talking about it. What's your, what's your vision? What do you want to see us, uh, where do you want to see us go and where do you think we're going? And, uh, as an agency as a whole, what are you excited about? I am so excited about this prevention stuff, um, that we're, that we're getting ready to kick off on. Um, I have a passion for families to stay together and to have their to have the kids stay with their parents. That's when I was a case manager. That was always my goal: was what can we do to make this child safe in this home? And to see the pendulum kind of swing and let's take them out. Of, let's take them out of the home. They're better off to be out of the home. Well, research would say that's not really the case. They're better off to be. They're better to be at home if we can remove some of those barriers. Um, let's do it. So I think about this. This is something I thought about when I was a youth leader. It's connecting with the disconnected. And so we have a lot of families that have needs and have supports. And in the system that we have set up right now is fear-driven. So I'm afraid to ask you for help. I'm afraid to go get this support because somebody might turn me in or I might get into trouble. And so for my vision is to say, Let's create a network in communities where we can feel safe to say that I need something. I need support. I need help. And that we as a community can wrap around those families to to meet that without fear of retaliation, um, without fear of losing their children, um, but to really be like, I need something. Who can help me with that? And so it's, it's, it's connecting it. Like I said, it's connecting those youths connected, getting the families connected with community partners that can support them. And for us to really just look at how can we help, um, guide this in our communities, um, for people to have some buy-in and to see the value of why a child should be with their family and not removed from their family. So that's where I see, I, that's where I see us want to go there. Isn't it exciting? Uh, because it's it's not it is. it is not where we it's not where we've always been. And you know, in fact, you know, when 
people ask me why in the world did I did I do this thing? It is it is to have the opportunity to participate in exactly what you're talking about because I saw the same thing from the bench as a judge. I'm like, wow, man, if if we only had something that we could plug in for this family, some place where we could we could connect them to people, to resources, to help, uh, that we wouldn't have this tragedy. And then we watch those kids. Uh, sometimes sometimes they'll do better, but oftentimes they're just they're just like, you know, they shrivel up and, and suffer and, and are just vexed by what is, what has happened to them. Uh, something else too is, you know, I'm, I'm all the time, I'm all the time harping on, we can't do what we do based on fear. And we can't, we, we, we got to create a, a, a culture where people are not afraid of us. You know, I got a sister who, uh, who is, does social work for the Salvation Army and, and she is, she has told me that she has had people come to her for help and not tell her that they had children, uh, that they needed help for these children because they were afraid she was going to get hotlined. She says, look, I tell she says, I tell them, look, my brother has told me not to hotline you. OK, so so just 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 be OK. We're just going to get you some help, you know, so it's really interesting. Kyle, what do you what do you think vision wise? What where, what are you excited about? Where do you think we are? So a lot of. In a lot of civilizations, a lot of cultures, the family takes care of themselves. Right. Their, their extended family take care of themselves. And uh, really, my vision is much like Chris's. It's to help children be safe with their families and to create partnerships with our community partners, really to prevent abuse and neglect from ever occurring. But then when it does, we need to make sure that we're getting the right services in for those children, for those families, uh, not judging them, but giving them unconditional opportunities to be successful. And there's there's uh, so many of our folks that are that are working in the past have felt like they were that the perpetrators became victims within our own agency because we were treating them and the and, and let's talk the whole child welfare community was treating them not in a very good way. And they deserve that opportunity to be successful. And if they are not given that opportunity and they're scorned or they feel like they're second class people, they're never going to overcome and they're going to have a lifetime of regret. And they're not, their children are not, are not going to be able to be raised within their own families and I think that we need to be able to give folks the opportunity to be successful. And I think that we're doing that. We are doing that. And it, and, and we are, like you said earlier, a big ship that is going to take a while to get turned around. But I believe that we are, we're, we're going to have the community help us turn this ship around. Our court partners, our school partners, our hospitals. All of those uh, folks that are have always been our partners, if they can help us get this ship turned around where we become a prevention model versus a protection model, I believe that the, the entire agency can, can help so many folks more. And if we can turn our alternative care workers into prevention workers by reducing the number of kids in foster care, I think that... It, it's just endless, mindless where we can go. That is the plan, right? You, you, if you read the plan, everybody's read the plan. Actually, the plan, if you read the plan and you like the pictures and you like the graphics, you can you can thank Ashton for that because <laughs> yes. she, she took what looked like just a plain old legal document because it was written by an old lawyer, me, uh, and, and, and really... But but that plan was not formulated by me. It was formulated by us. You know, after after I went out and talked to forty six circuits and really leaned on the the advice of the of the leadership team that we have. That is what that is what came out of that process. And uh, I think it's really powerful the idea that we could take and convert it uh, over over time. But one thing, Kyle, I think doesn't need converted based on what I found out in the field is our mindset was there already. Yeah. Before before I showed up, uh, you know, there are people out there. We're all wanting to help people uh, to get things done. And so now that there's now that there's liberty to do that, now that people have been given authority, given, we push that authority closer to the information. People are 
people are taking it up. I, like for example, the last Yarndall Award recipients, my, my wife who does some, you know, she does some writing and she's, she writes articles and stories about things. Well, she heard about this group of people, the five, the five folks down in Hickory County, which I met with in Buffalo, uh, that went into that house and just cleaned the thing up. So that, that little, that, that 11 year old boy wasn't going to have to spend his birthday in foster care, you know, that he was going to be able, he was going to equip them, uh, my, my wife and I are referring to them affectionately as the Buffalo Five. Uh, so it's a good thing they didn't come from Jackson County because they would be the Jackson Five, and that would be wrong. Because yeah. one of those already. Yeah. We've already got the Jackson Five. Copyright but issue. That copyright issues, right. right. Take it for the communications guru to say, Daryl, there's copyright issues here. Uh, yeah, the, Buffalo, the Buffalo Five, and they, uh, you know, they just went in and took care of somebody. And and what you said that made me think of them, Kyle, was you talked about not judging them because that's exactly I'm gonna tear up thinking about it. It's exactly what my wife, hearing the story, wrote in her article. They chose mercy over judgment. Yes. They chose compassion over looking down at somebody. And 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 what they got was a they got what they got was a thank you note. You know, they got a thank you note back from from this woman saying, Thank you for I'm embarrassed and I'm I'm, I'm sad and I've been lifted up by you. I mean, what, what a powerful thing. I mean, it just chills up my spine to think about the fact that we have, we have authorized kindness. Again. And, you know, if we do that for folks, they're going to reciprocate and help others. Right. And I'm going to tell a really quick story about a 16-year-old boy that was in foster care when I was working with him. And he... Uh, had been very closed off and hadn't talked a lot. And, and we ended up, we ended up bonding over playing pitch and catch because he didn't have to look at me in the face. We would just play pitch and catch and we learned a lot of things about each other. And this young man is now, that's 25 years ago and, um, totally the same story is my brother is now next door neighbors to this young man. Now he's a middle-aged man almost. And my brother had some health issues and I find out who's taking care of your yard and who's taking care of your stuff. And, and this young man that I had formerly worked with in foster care, he we did not talk about it with my brother at all. But he told my brother, I owed your family a little bit and he's been taking care of my brother and those sorts of things. They they take care of each other and they and w when we give we get back. Right. And you know what that ties into? That ties into that connectedness that, that, that Chris was talking about, right? That, that, that young man was connected to you because you listened. Yeah. Uh, and, and now he's connected to your brother because he had a need. Yes. And, and, you know, there are entire, there are entire uh, communities of people, uh, tribes, if you will, ready and able to do that kind of thing. People who are in churches and community groups and just different organizations and, and, and neighborhoods and just your friend, your neighbor, families being able to do that for themselves and each other. It's empowering. And I think that, you know, in the past, there's been this very bureaucratic cutting off of, you know, the government will do this for you. And, and what I'm hearing from you guys and from people everywhere is that no? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do what we have to do uh, to keep people safe, but we're gonna empower families and and communities to do that for themselves. If you've been helped, you're more likely to help others. Right, and I think word I think word of that mindset will spread far and wide, so that people will be willing to come to us for help yes. and not be afraid of us. That well, you're the child snatching people who come and take our children. No, you're the we're the people. I, I tell people all the time. I, I used to I, when I was on when I was uh, being a judge handling divorce cases. Uh, when and, and you know it would, it would ramp up right. The, the angry soon to be ex spouses would get mad at each other when they really went nuclear. When they really were going to get each other, they would call the children's division. Yeah. Well, if we were known as the helpers of the world, you're not going to call the helpers to go help your soon-to-be ex-spouse. You know, <laughs> the hotlines will go down. So anyway, it's I think it it's uh, the the mindset that exists and your guys' leadership and helping that happen uh, is uh, really really exciting for all of us. Um, so I know we're, we're kind of running close on time. So I just wanted to throw my last question. I've asked all the leaders this so far, and I want to ask you too. 
Um, you both talked about your start was on the front line. And I think it's really important um, to talk about how your experiences in that role um, really can shape your career. And it can really like motivate you or, I mean, it can go one of two ways, right? But the people in this division that I have seen, it motivates you. It only fueled your passion to help more kids, help more families. When you think about your career, were there any moments that you, you think about regularly that keep you coming back to work every day that have inspired you to kind of build this career of helping families and children um, this whole time. So for me, and I'll, I'll let Chris go, but, uh, it was February 4th, 1993. And that was my fourth day on the job. And I went to help remove eight children from a home. And, um, those eight children ended up coming underneath my, uh, I, I was a service worker for them and helped them. And I supervised many visits for those two or three years that they were in foster care, but the night that we removed them, it was a full moon. It was a Friday, Thursday or Friday night. And they were screaming in the back seat because their parents had done a lot of yelling at authorities uh, in front of them. And it was a just a terrible evening for them. And I started singing to them. And uh, they quit. They quit crying. And my coworker that was driving the vehicle I looked at her and she looked at me out of the corner of her eye and saying, you know, kind of like, what are you doing? But I started singing to them and they they quit crying and they started listening to what we were asking them to do. And it soothed them. And we have to find ways to be able in the field, even in management levels, we've got to find ways to help people feel comfortable and to people feel to help people feel vulnerable and to allow them to learn from their errors without being judgmental. So if we can find people and get them in the right place, we can move mountains, getting them in the right place. Well, it's recognizing, caring about and loving their humanity, right? Yes. What, what would, what do you do with crying kids? Well, I know what I did with mine. I sang to them. Yeah. So you took them on like they were your own and yep. sang to them. That's really a powerful thing. Chris, what do you, what do you, what do you think of Ashton's question? wisdom and it's wisdom i think that comes from i think i think kyle and and chris and i can say this because we're 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 above the we're above the median age of of people in this agency right we are i can look back i can look back over my career which wasn't here it was on it was on the bench and and 
practicing law with these kind of cases, you look back and you understand that the good work we do now impacts generations. I mean, it, you're going to you're going to run into that person two decades later who and, and I'll tell you what, one of the one of the greatest things in, in my career is, you know, my very first juvenile case, uh, I, the very first one I had where it was a tragic situation with a family and I I ended up being a GAL and it's just ridiculous ridiculously difficult case and we handled it well and we put that family back together that kid that kid uh keeps up with me i keep up with him he is now he is now middle-aged you know and he because he wasn't that much younger than i was when i was a brand new lawyer and i've watched him raise his family you know and uh and the people who are in my family treatment court uh they i've been i watched them on facebook they they were their families were doomed and then because people cared they weren't and they, I, I'm watching them raise their family, and they reach out to me and let me know because they want me to know. Because uh, one of them said, "You're like our dad," which makes me feel old. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I think there's that. So if you're new in the agency, I think something you can take from 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 Chris and Kyle and what they've said is that you know it may feel it may feel really difficult right now, but understand that the good work you do for today will have impact a generation from now. And when you when you're here a couple of decades from now, uh, you can say to those newer newer folks, hey, there's purpose, right? We're doing this for purpose. So this was inspirational, Ashton. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I, I think this was a really uh, great opportunity to get to know some of the leadership here at CD. And um, it's given me some ideas of how we can use this information beyond the podcast. Yeah. So stay tuned. When, yeah, when you're when you're sitting doing podcasts with Ashton, you, you sometimes watch her and the wheels start turning and she comes up with great creative <laughs> ideas. And so I want to thank her for, for making all this possible. I want to thank you guys for being here today, not only being here today, but for being such great colleagues and leaders and for really making a difference. People are talking about, you know, all the progress we're making and the good things that are happening. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful uh, to a lot of people for that. But, but our leadership team, and in particular, you two guys have made a world of difference to me and to, uh, to the agency and therefore to our kids and their families. So thanks to you both. This has been a great conversation. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Listen to more episodes of this podcast or our newest podcast, The Call to Foster, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help us reach and inspire more Missourians. Thanks for listening.